I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? I'm Noah Daniels, and this is The Real Hauntings Podcast. Hey, guys. I'm Kat. I'm JJ. And on this episode, we have another guest from Australia that reached out to us as a fan of the podcast. David, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Hello, I'm uh, David from Australia, and I'm a funeral director. A funeral director, yeah? Yes, yes. Whoa. I was immediately going to ask about the toilets in Australia, but... I have more questions now. <laughs> we actually have a ghost in one of ours, so. <gasps> in the actual toilet or just in the bathroom? <laughs> it's in the bathroom, yeah. I didn't go well, far into my investigation. Because <laughs> Moaning Myrtle is actually in the toilet. It's not somebody who just poops and then doesn't flush it and keeps blaming it on a ghost, is it? Oh, I don't know. If, well, that could be something. But um, we are, the current building that I work at at the moment, we've got a poltergeist in there, and it just doesn't like me. And it seems to hang out in the area of the men's toilets. And this is the funeral home that you work at, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty old building. So, it's yeah, it's just a weird things happen. Um, I've always been a massive skeptic, especially working in the industry that I work in, because, like, you kind of want to turn that stuff off. In my field, you've got to almost train yourself to have, like, to be able to shut off. I always have like, a wall of emotion because you would deal with... Um, basically grief um, from families, which I've done. I've, I've been in the industry for almost 10 years. The industry is quite small in Australia. Before we jump uh, in too far, um, I do want to ask you, uh, as a listener of the podcast, you probably know what I'm about to ask you, but on a scale zero to 10, zero being an absolute skeptic, you don't believe in ghosts at all, and 10 being ghosts are everywhere. Uh, I absolutely believe in ghosts. Where do you kind of fall on that scale? Um, up until quite recently, I would have been a five. Um, and now I'm probably at about 11. 
Sorry. An 11. Okay. Well, I think this is our first 11, guys. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. A, that's a spinal tap 11. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I do that too. I don't get the reference. <laughs> is that from a it's movie? from a movie. Yeah. Shocking, but I haven't seen a movie. Okay. So, even further backtracking, what made you want to go into this line of work? Was it like the medical part of it or? No, um, to be honest with you, so like where I live in Western Australia, it's quite a big state, it's the biggest one in our country. And basically um, mining is big in our, in our field. So you basically, as, as young as young men and women, you usually get into mining. So um, I was doing that when I was uh, in my early 20s. And um, I needed a full-time job. And quite literally, I started at one of the funeral homes um, just washing the cars. Um, and I just kind of stayed. So it was a good, you know, uh, nine-to-five job. And also I wanted to, um, you know, settle down with my now wife and have a family. And it was, yeah, it was a good steady uh, paycheck. Um, but from there, I've, I've, the last 10 years, I've worked my way up to, you know, becoming a funeral director. And now I manage locations. So, yeah, I've made a career out of it. Um, and it's one of those jobs that they say in the industry, they get you for two years, they get you for life. So, yeah, I, I just don't know what else I would do. So, Does every deceased person come in? Have they died from a huntsman spider or is that pretty common? <laughs> well, like crocodiles and snakes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing like that, really. It's just mainly, you know, pretty, pretty ordinary stuff. So you've been doing this for about 10 years. How long into it? Had it been before you had your first supernatural experience? At work, I would say the big one that really shook me up into really believing was this year. But like I said, you know, when you start in this industry, you, you kind of don't want to be, you know, the public just think of the kids to see things or just make up stories and stuff like that. So you're pretty much get on with it. I had a class in grad school that was a cadaver class. So that's the most intimate, not intimate, but like closest I've been with. <laughs> Intimate. I, I didn't mean it like that. I mean, like that had sex with a ghost. Ew, no. <laughs> the closest I've been to humans that have passed away, and it was like a room of sixteen cadavers. So, and we would go. I mean, this the course was like nine weeks, and we spent. We were in the lab every day. It was class one day, lab the next day. But you have to go to lab every day to learn every single part of the dead body or of the body. And uh, I was the same as kind of what you said. You just kind of have to turn it off because you walk in, obviously, and there's just like this very eerie, just like air in the room. And yeah, I mean, my I, I get a lot of jump scares. So I was a lot more jumpier in that class. But I feel like I was able to just kind of turn it off pretty quickly. Um, but there were definitely some spooky moments. So yeah, are you like dealing with embalming and that kind of thing too or more... No, like, so in, in Australia, there's two fields, but in being a funeral director, you kind of go off to do what I do, which is meeting with the families um, and management locations and things like that. Gotcha. And then the other part is all the mortuary stuff. So you're, um, you know, your environments and mortuary people. The building I work at now, door slamming, lights turning on and off quite recently, like this year, some really freaky stuff. Why don't we go through some of the freaky stuff? We'd love to hear about well, it. Um, so my, my colleague and I were, um, were getting ready uh, to set up for a viewing. Where I was, I was in a building adjacent to our chapel. So I had my back turned and I'm talking to her about, you know, how she's asking questions about how she should set things up, you know, where the flowers should be provisioned, like where the flowers should go and, you know, things like that. And I'm also asking where things are in the building because I'm brand new. So where I am, my back's turned to her 
And if I turn around, I can see what we call the catafalque, which is where the coffin would sit. And I, I could turn around and see her. And if I'm talking and, you know, having, having a conversation, and then as we're talking, um, a candle just flies past my head. And, and I, with force, like, hits the, um, hits the cabinet where I'm in, in front of. And I've just turned around and gone, oh, steady on. What was that for? She, she's just chucked something at me. And she's turned around and gone, what's going on? And she's the other side of the chapel. But I've said, you know, you, you've thrown a candle at me. And she's like, no, I haven't. And when I've said, you know, you're throwing this candle, where does it go? And she goes, behind you in the cupboard. So, and we could see where it was like, where it was like, it was, it was stacked up neatly, you know, like rows of nine. And it's, yeah, so, and you couldn't have, like, you wouldn't have been in a slit. We tried to, I like, tried to recreate it, bang the cabinet. And, and it left. felt like it had been thrown, like it flew by your face. Oh, yeah, it, it, it went, like, it's come out the surround and, like, it split the bottom because it's glass. It was coming for you, for your head. Yeah, though. it just went past my head like that. Oh and I could, like, someone had thrown it. Someone's just going. Oh my god! Do you have like any idea how, like, how far the candle went through the air? Probably a meter, because it's a small little room that you're in. But yeah, so it was up high like that. And a a meter in the U.S. is what about a mile? Is that right? Oh my something like that. Yeah, Yeah, no. No, uh, (laughs) Americans here. No, it's like like three feet or something. Yeah, so about. About probably two arm stands, probably, or an arm stand. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I just thought that's weird. You know, like I said before, right up until um, I spoke to uh, this, this colleague of mine yesterday, we had a function together. We always bring it up and always say that you threw something. She's like, no, I didn't. But that was the first of like, oh, okay, that's weird. But um, other things have happened. Um, so we've kind of decided that this, this thing in the building doesn't like me. Um, I've been forced to the ground by it. And that was another thing. Like, so we have, you know how you have things like the witching hour? Mm-hmm. After five o'clock in this building, so when things settle down, um, things happen. So usually I'm the last man in. So, you know, 5.30, I'm in the office by myself. And I was ready to go. So I've turned all the lights off. And I've gone into the men's toilet, the public toilets, to turn the lights off. And as I've gone in there, just to, I've just, I've, I've turned around and ready to walk out. And I felt like I was on the ground, basically. What on earth is that? And I thought like, because have I fainted? Have I, have I just collapsed? And nothing, literally, it felt like there was hands on the back of my shoulders. And, and I've just dropped to the ground. Like wow. someone, I immediately like got up and looked around. So I thought, is someone playing a prank on me? Is one of the guys come back and just dropped me as a joke or something like that? But I've gotten out, I've looked at the whole building, you know, because you think, oh, this is bizarre. And uh, since then, just a whole bunch of things just happen in this building, mainly when you're by yourself or there's maybe two people. For example, in the front, I'll hear the doors close up the back. Yeah, I'll go up there and I'll hear the doors slam down the front. The lights will just turn on and off. So I can be out the back office where I usually sit and the lights will just turn off. And I go to turn them back on and then they'll turn on automatically. All kinds of things like that just seem to happen in this building. Sometimes you just get the feeling that, you know, it either wants to share the space with you, it just wants to be acknowledged. So there's been things like I was staying back and I wasn't getting any work done. And um, this is when things were happening there. And I could see the lights kept turning off. And we have got automatic lights in some places in the building too. So you just mm-hmm. see what's going on. So I've gone and, you know, 
fix up that. And then down where I, the front desk is where our rooms are, we've got these massive doors that have all been put in because it's for the more modern parts of the building up and they lock, like you can open them and then like lock them so they can't go. And they are stiff, they're really stiff. But like, I'll, I'll come back and I'll hear that slam. And I'll come back and it'll be open again. Just things like that. And you think like, this is bizarre. And I also thought this was something to do with the cleanness. Like I'd come in and the doors open and shut or I quite recently, um, I'd get to work and the chapel lights would be on and I was the last man there and the cleaner wasn't in. It just like, and it's not like turning a light. There's various switches. That someone can like be hiding there or living there when you're gone, things like that. No, because we've, we've got motion cameras everywhere in the building and that's something quite freaky when um, I've come past and I've looked around the building and you can go where that room is, that clergy room with the candle incident happened, you've got nine monitors there. And you can see, so it has like a little little man in, in yellow. I've been there before where you, you look at it and then like, like you see in a scary movie, they call it all like flicker or they all have like that, that snow field. Okay. Um, times you'd be looking at it and then that all flicker, that little man comes up and all flicker off and stuff like that. Well, just, I'm not staring at that. I just think one minute a face is going to come up or something like that. Ooh, I mean, Wait, so, sorry, the man, this man in yellow, I mean, is that like... It's just a little, like a... A symbol that comes up to say, it's "Oh, it's, yeah, gotcha. okay." So but it's, it's not like your cameras are picking up on like this. No, no, but it's just like, <laughs> like yeah, do it like that's it. I'm an eleven for sure. Like, it's on whoa. camera. Yeah. Well, um, be a twelve. Well, it def- I definitely agree with you that it's like someone or something that's there uh, just wants acknowledgement. But that area of the building where the toilets are, for example, when um, we've got a little baby, she's just turned one, and when I can come in to visit. Um, you know, she, if she wants to go change Tilly or whatever, um, if she goes down that corridor with this one at she will freak out. Like she does, like she will like, like almost try to crawl out of my wife's arms. Your one-year-old? Yeah, she will not. She just will not um, go down that hallway. It's really, really bizarre. And David, so, you stated you used to be a five. Is it the culmination of all these events that made you 11 or was it one specific instance that made you 11? Everything that's happening at the moment, yeah, is really, really um, So Because I've had probably many different incidences that you just kind of think, well, that's me. Um, like, for example, like really mundane stuff where I've done a funeral at a chapel and everything's mechanical. There's two, there's two chapels. One is all mechanical because it's older and one's all electronic because it's new. So what, what it means is um, at the end of this funeral, you'd push a button and the, the thing would lower, the catapult would lower the coffin. And um, there's all these fail steps on it to say like, you know, before you start there, you would, you know, start your service, press a button, you know, turn a, turn a, turn a lever to make sure everything will go. And then there's a button to manually charge this thing for hydraulic. And I've done everything on this funeral and nothing, like the, the committal wouldn't happen. So I press the button, Nothing's happened. I've done the, the override. Nothing's happened. I've um, rang the, the maintenance guys and said, look, I'm in, I'm in the East Chapel. This has happened. I'm just going to bring the family through now. Yep, no worries. We'll be there after the service in another half an hour. Going down to the family, just trying to lighten the mood and say, look, it appears that mum doesn't want to leave us. They've all had a bit of a laugh, thinking, oh, you know, no, my mum doesn't want to leave us literally moved everyone into the next room with a tea and coffee and things like that. As we closed the doors, we heard it just manually just let go on its own. And they said, isn't that really strange that they didn't want to make a fuss, David. They said, um, 
mum hated the committal. Mum hated, you know, the back of funerals. And she always said to me, don't, don't let that happen to me. And um, I only remembered on the, on the day but I didn't want to make a fuss. And I thought, oh, that's weird. And then as I opened the door, it's not open. It's just going on its own. But you could just think, well, maybe it's just let go on a timer or something like that. Um, right. Things like that happen. I mean, legendary across the industry, but things like that, you just think, well, I know I keep going back to this bathroom story, <laughs> but my question is after you felt the pressure and you were pushed down to the ground, did you get right back up? Like, did you feel okay? Did you oh, have yeah. any like, yeah, yeah, no, it was like, um, pressure was, was gone. Yeah. It was like, and like I said, I wasn't hurt or anything. Right. Um, you know, cause I've, 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 I've fainted and things before like that where I've had, you know, and, and you know, when you faint, you feel, you feel quite, you know, woozy in the head, you sweat, things like that. Yeah. It was literally like someone like a schoolyard prank. Like, and I wasn't, I wasn't hurt. It was literally like, I just was like that. Wow. And, uh, like I said, I jumped straight up and I was like, what the hell was that? And yeah, it was just, it was bizarre. You know, was your hemorrhoid okay? Because we have to worry about that with JJ. We're always checking on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was by myself. But, uh, your what? Your hemorrhoid. hemorrhoid. If you ever, you know, want a, a good medical diagnosis, go see a medium and have her, you know, tell you if you should be worried about your hemorrhoids. Or oh, not hemorrhoids. <laughs> um, it was oh, a hernia. 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 Yo, I was like, why are we talking about hemorrhoids right now? <laughs> oh my God, what a strange question. Yeah. Hernia. I thought maybe that's a weird American thing or something. <laughs> <laughs> we ask all our guests about their hemorrhoids. What yeah, you yeah. So on a scale of zero to 10, <laughs> how many hemorrhoids? ghost podcast but uh men's health on the side you so know, you know because we care next up prostates are there a lot of uh stories like these kind of like circulating around uh in yeah the the, business? this would be yeah definitely this would be the only one that i've heard of, of having what affected me is in like because i've always said look i'm, I'm cool with spooky stuff's around but i'm all to guys i'm out like if things start throwing stuff at me, I'm out of it. Yeah. And, and like I'm, I'm into, you know, like if I see a ghost, you call, but as soon as stuff starts moving, I'm out. And that's why I said, so that incident that happened, I just left. And there was something quite recently where, um, same thing, I'm sitting down the front, you know, it's you know, an hour after close and the lights start doing their thing. And I was just kind of like, you know what? We have to live together. I've got work to do. You know, and I kept ignoring things. So as I was doing my lockup, I walked down the hallway, and um, the mortuary is all open. And there's like these um, like extension cords that hang from the roof, and there's no airflow in this um, in that area. And I've walked past, and they're just shaking, like they're going like like that. And I've kind of just walked past and stopped and seen them, and then just kind of gone uh, okay, and then just left. And um, the next day, I spoke to one of my guys who's very, like, he said that he's had, he's taken somebody home. You know, when people say that they've taken a presence home with them. And I was talking to him about his experiences. And then I was, I was just said, look, this, this happened the other day. So we went in there and tried to recreate it. And, like, unless you really bash with your hand to make these things shake, they kind of settle within seconds. And they were going, like, you know. Whoa. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about his story, about the spirit going home with him? Yeah, well, he's named his spirit. Apparently, his spirit's name was Joel. And, um, and Joel went with him. 
and um, so he acknowledged Joel and things like that. But he he would have things move in his house and just vanish and then reappear. So he was telling me um, the classic the classic uh, trick was um, he stole his wallet. And we just said, oh, okay, he goes to stole your wallet. He wants to pay for lunch kind of thing. And then it would, re- it would reappear. But he just had things like that um, in, in his house, his wallet, his keys, just move in his house. Um, his TV would turn on to just random channels and things like that. Um, but then he, he threatened to, I don't know, this is again like, you know, this is, this is back when I was five. He threatened to sage the house. Um, and then he saged stuff, he's gone missing and stuff like that. So um, he's formed a bond with this thing, spirit, person. And um, he just lives in peace with him. But apparently this, this Joel has followed him to two different residences now. When, when wow. you say he moves his stuff, like, I mean, does he, is it like the candle story? Like, does he see that stuff move? No, no. Or? So just stuff like if he leaves, like he's very, most of us are very particular with where we put our things because we work around people and do strange hours. You know, like I always have my wallet, keys and phone at the table before I leave. So you know where they are. He'll, he'll have everything there as being as meticulous as it would be. And then they're gone and then they reappear the next day. And he lives by himself. He's a single dad. So he has his daughter, you know, one week on, one week off. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so there's no way, there's no way that, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I have one of those ghosts. Yeah. Just like moving around my keys and wallet and phone. JJ loses everything. <laughs> Glasses. You've been pretty good lately, though. My, my wife has that with her phone, I think. She can never find her phone. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just things like that, you know. Um, we had an incident where another funeral home that I worked at, the fridge, this this one case I dealt with, the fridge would just randomly, like, I, I set everything up and I was going to go home and I was the last man out. And I turned the fridge on and then off I went. And then um, I just had this feeling like, hang on, did I turn the fridge on? Go back, fridge is off, so I turned the fridge on again. Um, come out the front, just a weird feeling that the fridge was not on and I did that about four or five times hmm. and then um, I actually went in um, to the fridge and there was a it was it was actually there was, there was one that's in there one in the coffin was in there and uh, I noticed that the tech was like a teddy bear that was meant to be on the coffin and that was on the ground so I just fixed all that up and made sure that it couldn't blow up where the fans are because usually when you condition things in the fridge um, you would make sure that your coffins are all you know, right on their trolleys. But like if you've got flowers, for example, you'd put them as an area so that different flowers react differently to the to the force of the um the air going on them. So I thought well, maybe this is blown off. So I've, I've positioned things and everything's all good and as you do, you say goodnight and you close and lock up. And then um as far as I I know it didn't turn off again. Um but when I was going through you know that particular funeral that person had died um of being cold. So, um, but I believe that was a, it was a child who died of the flu. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was just really quite weird. But that building that I used to work at, um, my receptionist that was there, she was really quite spiritual, and um, she she used to say that she could see things and stuff like that, and um, she does readings and stuff like that. Her, her and my wife are quite close. They have some like a lot of experiences. My wife often sees she has this girl follow her around um, and stuff like that. She's really jealous, by the way, I don't speak to you guys. 
Um, <laughs> now yeah, we want to yeah. talk to her too. <laughs> oh, she would love to talk to you. She's got this ghost or the spirit. She believes it's, um, it, it's it, I don't know if it's her sister or something like that. Um, oh. But yeah, she, she keeps following around to work and at home. So, wow. So do you see spirits or is it only your wife that sees physical apparitions? I, I've not seen, I, I have seen spirits, but in saying that we've had a conversation, I, I have seen this thing at the corner of my eyes twice now. Um, one time I just thought that I was, I came home from having a procedure. So my wife dropped me home. I was supposed to be resting on the couch. I was on all kinds of antibiotics. So I just thought maybe it was that because I'm sat on the couch and in my peripheral vision, um, our, our front door's behind our, our garage door and it was down. So, you know, I'm safe at home. I'm just watching telly. And I've seen this, 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 this girl walk past my window and then threw out the back because our house kind of was like an L shape. And I've, up, and I've gotten up and just gone out by thinking is, I thought maybe my parents would come around because sometimes they come and just do stuff because we both work or whatever. And um, I've got run outside and thought that's really weird. Like, and this happened before where I've gotten home and the house was locked up and Rihanna's inside. She's like, I swear someone's out the back. Can you go check? And it wasn't the other night that um, quite recently that I was up with Bumps, which is only, like I said, she's one and she can be quite restless when she's teething. Mm-hmm. And I was from um, the witching hours of um, two to five, I went to bed. Mm-hmm. And I, again, so I was fine. But this, this, this figure in the corner of my eye has gone past the window and then gone past the back. And I'm just going, okay. And, like um, the same pathway. Yeah, the same pathway. And the same kind of motion, you know, when you, you, you often see or you talk about things, it's always that movement. And it's always out of the corner. Like you've got to look. And it's like clear as day, there's a, there's a person. But she has seen this figure multiple times. It follows her at work. Um, we've had an incident where when our oldest daughter was a baby, um, my wife would bring up and go, can you go to Adeline? She's screaming in the car. And um, I've gone up and I could hear her crying, like screaming, and both kids are asleep. I'm like, that's weird. And she's also had another incident in the house where um, she's, I have to get her to send it to you, but she sells it better than I do. But she had this incident where um, she could hear the baby crying and she's gone up to pick up the baby and settle it, but the baby's asleep. So she doesn't know what, yeah, it's, it's weird things like that. But, you know, they're, they're things too that as a parent, you don't know because you're on like, you know, four or five hours sleep. Right. And our kids don't help. Our son often like was standing in our bedroom like this demon child and run off. And I'm like, once I had to go after him to see if he's actually there or, or whatever. But um, yeah, so, you know, you, you can, I don't know, she's had more experience than I have with this particular figure at work where it's been standing, like she works at a chocolate factory. I know, funeral director and chocolate maker. Um, that is like that's, polar opposite and just... Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so, so cute. I love it. Yeah. No one believed us for many years, but what's what we did. <laughs> it does sound a little made up. I, mean, I, believe you. I totally believe you, but... <laughs> I, was, I was a little bit upset that there's not one on Pullover in the factory. Um, <laughs> but where she works, because she's worked, she's literally worked at that job as long as I worked at mine. Um, so sometimes she'll work in the shop or she'll work out the back doing the chocolate. And she's, like I said, she's alone. She locks herself in because there's, all, all, everyone there's a female workforce. 
And um, she's, she's literally chased this figure through the factory. Was there like a little girl who drowned yeah, in the chocolate river or anything like that? <laughs> no, no, again, it's, it's Rhiannon's got this attachment to this girl, this figure, and she describes it. And I said, that's exactly what I've seen is this girl with a bomb haircut should be, you know, a little bit short, shorter than my wife. And um, yeah, she's seen this, this, this thing multiple times. So, David, I'm curious. Um, you've had a lot of experience being around death uh, more than you know, almost any lay person would ever have. Has this had an effect on you where you feel more or less religious or you have certain beliefs now about the afterlife because you've been around so many people that have passed? I, um, so in, in my field, I kind of made a decision that um, I'll be um, not religious but open to everything, mainly because especially in Australia, we, we have such a multicultural, um, we are probably multicultural, and all my family clients, I, I, you know, I can, I deal with Catholics to Buddhists to, you know, including some of these strange new religions that pop up. Um, so you've got to be open and closed to everything. So especially when I'm, you know, the little area that I work in now is a big Catholic area. So they expect you to have knowledge and to be Catholic, but you know, I, you know, I'm open to everything. But I personally, I'm not religious at all. I, I believe I'm, a, I'm more spiritual. I believe more like energy, if that makes sense. Yeah, but you know how you like if there's an imprint of something, that's what I, I truly believe that, um, and that you possibly meet the same people in your life in different forms. So, so you know, sometimes you can just meet someone and you're like, we, you just get them, you know everything about them, you're like, automatically to certain people. For sure. Mm-hmm. Stuff and, like and this is kind of morbid, but as somebody who has an unhealthy fear of death. This is kind of fascinating to talk to somebody who's surrounded by it all the time. Do you ever talk to the people like while they're? I, um, yeah, yeah, you can't not. I thought like, when I started, I thought it was really weird because like um, I forced myself straight into the industry. Like they really baby you for good reason. But um, like when you start now, like, you don't even see a, a deceased person until maybe a couple of weeks. But my first day, I forced myself right into being in the field and doing what we call like a, like a transfer, collecting someone into our care. Because I just wanted to know if I could hack it. You know, but I could tell you for months when I first started and I'd have to do checks, like you in the morning, you would see who was on what funeral. You'd, you'd, you'd take the coffin out the fridge and make sure everything's ready to go. You would make sure everything's ready for the funeral, but to do interviewing and stuff like that. And it just... I still get weirded out when I open a coffin and there's a body in there or you walk into the chapel and you're like, oh, that's right. This is where I work. Um, that never and, really gets easier or not you know, weird. I would say, uh, you know, it's, it's always weird, but you um, you get used to things. But for me, like to touch, so I'm not really a touchy person. Like, um, you know, like even my closest friends, like I would never, I would never hug um, one of my friend's wives or anything like that unless they hug to me. I'm just not like that. I think it's very personal. I can only ever touch my children, my wife kind of thing. Sounds don't come, weird. Don't um, come yeah. to the south of, of the USA. Don't come to the south. Because <laughs> yeah. um, everybody has to hug and like high five. And Well, not now. Well, may, some people yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Probably too many people now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain the numbers. What I mean by that, you know, you know, they'll, they, you know, obviously they, drive them around in cars and things like that. So you, you don't want to position them, things like that, their, their head may have fallen back or their, their hands and things like that. So how you want to position their hands. 
Um, some of the hands might look very good because of a certain way the diet or the way the body's in different decomposition. Um, you just have to, you know, set things and things like that. And I find that to be quite personal. So the best way is to talk to people. Um, and just like you do, you really talk to yourself, you know, just acknowledge that there's a person. And as we do, we, that's the way we are trained to acknowledge that what we do is quite special and it's quite personal. Yeah. That, you know, you can't be, you can't be just a robot. You've got to be a person. Um, and you are dealing with people. That's so special though. I'm glad you shared all that. It's, it's, I don't know. It is a very unique world that a lot of us don't get an insight into. So we appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you. Um, I think like a lot of people have like this conception of like people who work in the funeral industry of like, like, Oh my gosh, why would anyone do that? Like, how can they be like, okay with that? And, but yeah, I think like, you know, yourself and, and, uh, you know, one other person I met who works in that industry is just like, no, I like do it because I want to help people when they're at a really difficult time in their life. So I think that's really awesome. You mean yeah, the family or the actual deceased person? Because the well, that that person was talking about helping the family of yeah. the deceased person. Yeah. But if their energy's still there, you're helping them too. So I think talking yeah. to them and that kind of thing is yeah, it's, it's certainly a job I couldn't do for sure. I mean, that's it's very respectful and and, and like Kat said, it's clear that uh, you have a I would say a kind nature and a healthy respect for what you're doing, and I'm sure the families really appreciate that. And this yeah. is kind of my last curious question on this, but do you feel like your relationship um, going through and seeing these people? who passed, has it made you any more or less wary about you passing away one day? Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. You do get a sense of your own mortality. Um, it also like ministry for myself, I, I grew up really fast. Like I started being a funeral director at 22, I'm 32 now. And um, you know, the average age in my business is around 50. So it does make you grow up really fast, but also um, in, in my own life, I would take you know, less risks. You know? So having a family younger, um, just things like that, you know, you're a lot more careful. Um, you know, I got, I've got out, you know, I'm still, I'm a huge automotive, like not, I love vehicles, um, but you know, slow down on sports cars kind of thing. You know, you're not so, wrestling, and you're not wrestling as many alligators or crackers. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've like sold the kangaroo. Don't ride that to work. Anymore. Right, smart. Um, yeah, you know that kind of thing. But um, it just it just affects you differently as a person. Um, I, I, I've always gone back to like you know, my wife. We we've got three children now. We've, we've finished building our family, and I remember her saying like, "We'll have a child," and I always wanted one, being an only child, um, and she wanted two because she she's she's got siblings herself. Um, and I said, okay, you know, I've got no experience like that. I've been a only child and love it. Um, but, uh, so we, so we, so we had, we've got two children. We've had our third because literally our funeral, I was at listening to this lady's story saying that she couldn't have children and, um, you know, she had passed away and, uh, she had left her husband and three children who have all grown up and had amazing lives and you think it's what you leave on. So, um, that really triggered something to me like that, you know, when it happened to me and, you know, whatever legacy you leave behind, you leave behind and you know, with your children and things like that. So, yeah, so things like that affected me a lot differently. Like, um, and you also just be grateful for what you have and, you know, stuff like that. And it, of course, like, I guess it makes you a bit more humble where like, 
no matter what day I have, um, you know, being yesterday with, you know, I was at a function all day and two meetings, um, no matter what kind of bad day you've had, your car won't start, you, you know, your dog's died or uh, you had a fight with your missus or your, or your partner. Um, when I go into work and meet with the family, they've got it far worse than I do. They've lost somebody. So you kind of get that kind of thing is like, you know, you just, you, you find that your own problems just don't matter what you do. So. And then on the other hand, you have people just doing fun things like making chocolate and just, I know. yeah, I know, right? you know, you can get it, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was the hardest thing too, because our, our two fields are so different where I, I, I love my job. And that's what it sounds to me, but I do. I love my job because it's not the same. I can't do nine to five, even though my job is, you know, we say nine to five, but you work around people and you work, you know, um, every day is different. I couldn't just go to work every day. I did when I was in the mines, you know, you go, you go away in a, in, a, in a plane for four weeks and dig a hole and come back for a week and go back there and dig the same hole. Um, couldn't do that. Like, and, I, and that chose not to do it. Yeah. Well, David, I feel like you've dug a hole into our hearts and we certainly <laughs> appreciate you coming onto the podcast. Oh, and I, I think that's a great place to end it unless you have any other ghost stories or anything you would like to share? Um, I just want to mention it. So I did take a break from the podcast this week because I was doing really early starts. And when my workplace is about 40 minutes away from where I live. And when you listen to this podcast <laughs> um, for 40 minutes and then get out the car and realize that you're at a funeral home, this is a bit strange when you're the first day in there. So um, yeah, to take a bit of a break like that when these things are happening. Oh, wow. Uh, That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, well, we hope that you can listen to it on your way home from work rather than yeah. on your way to work. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. And look, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, definitely. We'd love to hear from your wife, too, and all her stories. But yeah, uh, thanks for tuning into our podcast. What's, have you, do you have like a favorite episode or anything? Uh, to be honest, my favorite episode is your first episode. I always hear that coming back to say, check the first one out. But I love the Jaha story. Oh, yeah. thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jawa. Still see it in my depths of my soul. <laughs> I wasn't in that episode. You guys. Was I? I don't know. I don't remember. It's been so long um, ago. That's true. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing your stories and thank you for the work you do. We'll have to retire in Australia so you can. Yeah, you can come on down. Pass away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. Well, you have a good rest of the, well, rest of the day for you. Yeah. All right, cool, guys. Have a good one. All right, thanks. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. All right, Kat and JJ, would you guys ever be a funeral director? I don't think that's something I could do. I was already at the end of this episode, like, should I switch careers? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I could see myself doing it, yeah. I think it's just because I totally relate with him about, like, kind of growing up at an early age. I think, like you know, I, I, but you know, I, I haven't like worked directly with dead people or, or mourning families a lot, but I have to an extent. And I think I knew really early on, I wanted to work with people like with disabilities. And when I was 18, like right out of high school, I flew to Vermont to work at a camp for people with special adults with special needs. And like my first cabin was for two weeks and I had to share a cabin with like three 44 year old men, which, you know, they had Down syndrome one had autism, but it really makes you grow up quickly. That has nothing to do with a funeral home. Well, but you but, have worked in like 
hospitals and so where you have been around yeah, a lot of that stuff. A lot of, and, and I think like there's a really cool thing about experiencing really intense stuff early on because it does make you really grateful for the things you have in your life. Now, that does mean that everyday, you know, situations or like drama isn't as like shocking to you. Like, you know, I still like my gossip and my drama, but it also just makes you a little desensitized to those kinds of things. And you're like, do I still have emotions? But you do. It's just, you're able to like really understand it on a different level. And he, that was just so interesting to hear how much he enjoys working there. And it's like such a meaningful occupation for him. Um, It was clear that he's kind of built for that job. mm -hmm. But that, that stuff about like him getting pushed down and the candle thrown at him. Yeah. That's that kind of stuff is what it's going to take for us to be like, Yes, they're real. Yeah, maybe I mean, maybe I I should make the switch so I can have that firsthand experience <laughs> I've been wanting. But JJ, you're you're an atheist, right? Uh, yeah. Um, so is like somebody well, right? Uh, as somebody who I guess we'll just say is like more atheist, kind of agnostic. How do you view stuff like that, where people are? you know, uh, being put to rest and having to be around the dead? Is it, is it not as, you know, strange to you because it's just another process of life or, or do you still kind of see it as like, Oh man, that's a dead body. Like, how do you kind of look at something like that? I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't really been around a lot of death in my life, to be honest. I don't know. Are you asking, am I like afraid of to be around a dead body or I don't no, I just because like I know that if I had to put myself in our guest shoes I, I wouldn't be able to do it I, th- I think it would just um it would make me too sad I think you know because I tend to take on other people's emotions anyway and like I don't like the finality of death I mean it is like the most final thing you can do so it kind of freaks me out a little bit like would it have that effect on you or would it just kind of be like another day at work do you think I mean I think in this i mean it doesn't have like a lot to do with like my like atheism i guess uh but i think i'm just kind of in general not like a super emotional person i don't know am i really emotional <laughs> you can be that <laughs> looked right at you when you said that <laughs> i think jj would be like uh david was because he, he would be respectful of people and their family well, yeah and of, like he's not going to just be like oh this is just another day you know at the at the job i'm just going to throw these bodies here and do this thing he'd definitely be like i don't think it would be your favorite thing ever but i don't think he would one i don't th- okay so on one spectrum he would not be hindered because of his emotions but on the other side of it he would not be disrespectful i think he would be very respectful yeah, for sure yeah i think i think jj is a very caring person i think both of you are you you guys would do a great job with that we I, guess, I, guess, I guess what i mean is like i i don't think of myself as being like someone who is you know like gonna see it um a dead body at in the appropriate place i mean if i just saw a dead body when i'm like out on a walk or something sure. that would freak me the hell out but like in the appropriate place and then be like oh my gosh i don't know how to deal with this but like or you like, wouldn't associate because i feel like if i i was in that funeral yeah. home and i saw people who had passed i would associate those 
deceased bodies with ghosts and with spirituality and that kind of stuff. I was just curious, like, would you have that same association or, I mean, obviously you'd still be good to everybody there, but like, does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think I would. I mean, like for sure it's, you know, like I would associate with uh, like the emotional experience of losing someone. And I guess, you know, it is like definitely a reminder of, you know, everyone's including my own mortality, but I think I just, the way I, view death is more like you know that's just the final stage that we all yeah i don't know why it always interests me so much that people can yeah live that as their life and be you know good at it and okay with that's the one thing that's that's always in my head is like we're always in our own head and clearly our brain and our development over millions of years has led us to this point but i can't imagine just like that stopping because like we're like you would be aware of it just it it feels like such a waste to have like this uh you know to be sentient to to be able to think and process and then it just be reliant on this bag of bones and meat and you know have to protect from disease when it's like our consciousness has to take care of like the body, you know, like it's, it's, it's strange. Anyway, I don't know when this turned into the philosophy podcast. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it was interesting. David had a lot of stories. You could tell that I think it was pretty clear that at one point he was pretty skeptical. I I heard some of that skeptic skepticism in his voice and he kind of wanted to keep reiterating, you know, like, Oh, it could have been this. It could have been this. It could have been this. It sounded pretty spooky. Anytime that you hear a story about a ghost pushing somebody down and candles flying by, like that would be enough to make me an 11. Like you guys were saying, I think that would definitely tip the scale. Yeah, for sure. If I saw a candle zoom past my face and like there's, I mean, maybe that lady really did throw a candle at him, but that would be a very strange thing to do on like your first first day of work. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear his wife talk about that female ghost they have that apparently mm-hmm. is haunting yeah. their house. That was more scary to me than, I don't know why, than any of the other stuff. Maybe it's just because like the apparition stuff freaks me out a lot more than... Or just like these creepy like silhouettes walking by like, you know, in the same pattern. See, yeah. that that doesn't freak me out as much as the candle thing. And I think it's because like, you know, in in my mind, it's like, oh, well, like, you know, you could just be seeing something. Whereas like when something that's like tangible and like, you know, 100% like real, like an object, when that flies across the room, like how on earth do you explain that? I don't know. And I I think that's, it's like that for a lot of people. I mean, you look at that episode we did um, with Ashley uh, from TikTok, Chocolate milk mix chocolate cake mix yeah chocolate milk mix. (laughs) you know that's our most popular episode and i've had people write in and just talk about how crazy her tiktok is and i think they get that experience that you're talking about jj it's because we do hear so many stories about i saw this i saw that but you never really see it you know and then her page is filled with these alleged hauntings Mm -hmm. yeah it's always fun to have somebody on from another country as well. Some of our, our fans that follow us on Instagram, you would have seen this week, which is the week of December the 4th, that we were told that we have been heard in 32 countries. As, 37. Was it? Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. 37 I'm, countries. There's like 200 countries in the world. So let's like keep, keep it up. Uh, I don't even think it. I could name 37 countries, to be honest. Like, I bet you could. 
There's like so many. There's you, like, can, you can name 37. Try it. Just try it now. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so so we were told by Spotify that we've got listeners in 37 countries, which is so cool. And then it also told us that Australia, um, after the U.S., is our most growing audience, which I guess that makes sense because we do hear from a lot of Aussies. This is the third person we've had on our podcast um, who lives in Australia. So, you know, we just want to thank you guys for reaching out and to keep listening. Yeah. It's It's obvious that you guys are helping us spread the word about this podcast. And it's yeah. so cool. I mean, it's just, just mind-blowing, honestly. To our American audience, pick up the pace. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. And with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm JJ. And I'm Kat. Ooh. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.